Hello, and welcome to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip off the shrink wrap and get into the messy reality of our lifestyle. I am Rachel Barth, your hostess with the mostest, and I'm here to open up a big old can of truth and honesty about the joys and pitfalls of polyamory. It is the week of Valentine's Day, or maybe Valentine's Day month, if you celebrate in the most orthodox fashion possible. We're celebrating love in all its glory. I think we'll spare some time to discuss how you could celebrate Valentine's with your loved ones in a properly polyamorous manner. But first, a more theoretical approach. What is love supposed to look like? This might seem like something obvious, but I'm sure you know by now that my answer is always, oh, nope, it's a deep question. The companion question is, what is love supposed to feel like? I got to thinking about this while I was sitting in this groovy soft lounge chair watching Isaiah make pancakes at Avalon Nudist Resort. That is a sentence I never imagined saying. Anyway, it just never occurred to me that love might mean making pancakes while dressed only in a pair of socks. I mean, you would never know it now, but I truly did grow up very stodgy. And we have all these ideas in our heads that we imbibe from our cultures and families of origin about how love is supposed to look and feel. For instance, where I come from, love means spending a lot of time talking to each other, preferably about intellectual shit and politics and other ivory tower, liberal, soy boy, snowflake type stuff. It also means cooking meals and eating together. Bonus points for doing both of these things at the same time. It means respecting and honoring family rituals and traditions, which range broadly from the menu for Thanksgiving to the appropriate cocktails for any social occasion, gin and tonics and Bloody Marys for daytime, gin and tonics or scotch before dinner, Grand Marnier after dinner, or maybe Drambouille, since you ask. This kind of love is where I get my obsession with cloth napkins from. Love means helping someone fold the laundry or keeping them to company in the kitchen while they're cooking. Love means making music together. Love means taking walks together, especially right after dinner on a nice evening. That's what it looks like. How it feels is a little more complicated. For a long time, love felt like never having to make serious decisions on my own behalf and always deferring to the wisdom of the daddy in the room. Love felt like remaining a dependent child in many ways. On the other hand, love also felt like always being safe to ask questions and knowing that I never had to worry about anything because it would be taken care of. Love felt like not being responsible for myself, because I was only a child. As I write this, I'm seeing how these things can fit together. So love can look like having a lot of interesting conversations and asking a lot of questions, but also feel like never being allowed to disagree vigorously or be right about anything, since the parent in the room is always right. 
Love looks like cooking meals together, but it might feel like not having any choice in what the meal will be. I had a happy childhood and two loving parents, and I still came out of it with these mildly problematic things anchored in my mind and my approach to love. It's so easy to get hung up. Some people are overly focused on how love is supposed to look. Others get caught on how it's supposed to feel. The feeling part is especially challenging because it is completely invisible and internal. It's awfully easy to live decades without identifying and interrogating your own ideas about this area. And there's subtleties. Love might feel like showing a certain respect for your loved one's thoughts and ideas, even if you disagree. But does that mean that while you are respecting their thoughts, they can go on and not respect your thoughts? Love might feel like being taken care of completely. But does that mean it's okay for you to avoid taking responsibility for your life and your choices? I can see how my own faulty ideas about love led me to accepting some things in my relationships that I absolutely should not have accepted. It took me many years to figure out that those things weren't okay. We know that survivors of domestic or childhood abuse can find benefit in thinking about these topics because they will be starting out with a damaged picture of what love is supposed to look like, and more particularly, feel like. When love has always felt like stress, it's going to be hard to recognize love when it shows up without any stress involved. The partner who just hangs around being polite, kind, and attentive all the time might seem kind of boring compared with the partner who storms around dramatically, shedding tears and emitting noises of anger and woe. When you are used to love feeling like stress, you'll seek out or even create stress in your own relationships. You might not even be able to see or perceive any love that is offered to you, unless it comes with a lot of stress involved. You seek what feels like home, you know? It took me a long time to understand that a person who talks more is not necessarily better or even more interesting than a person who talks less. My family is full of talkers, and I am naturally drawn to it. We are all naturally drawn to whatever we grew up with, even if it's toxic as hell. All of this is the subject of a whole lot of study, so I am just throwing the Cliff Notes version at you. So let's move deeper into it and talk about how this could crop up in your polyamory especially. The first thing we see for sure is that this effect of being drawn to what you have grown up with is magnified in polyamory. I am drawn to big talkers, and if I don't pay attention to my unconscious behaviors, I will be surrounded by big talkers. This is not theoretical, it's definitely already happened to me. I grew up with parents who took care of everything without necessarily giving me all that many choices. I am often drawn to people who care for me, yet take away my choices. I have to be extra awake to this potential issue since, of course, it only gets worse if I try to ignore it. I set us up for failure because I grow resentful at how they take away my choices, even though that is exactly what drew me to them in the first place. Now, this is bad enough in monogamy, but with two or more partners, it can really be a complete clusterfuck. 
not only will I feel even more robbed of choices, but also each partner will also then be annoyed with the other partners for taking away my choices. They will likely be blind to the fact that they do the same thing. They will urge and nag me to do something about this problem. However, I will feel trapped since I have no idea how to tell my father, oops, I mean my partner, that I am going to have to push back on this issue. Again, this is not an imaginary example. I bet you can imagine some good ones here, though. Pretty much any hidden ideas about what love should mean or look like will come and bite you in the ass when they show up in triplicate. You believe love means giving lavish gifts at Valentine's Day? So you crush your credit cards to rubble trying to do this with three lovers. No sooner have you paid off that debt than Christmas is right around the corner. This one belief about love could literally ruin your life. But even if you have enough money to engage in this behavior without consequences, it might still cause you problems because what if your partners don't give you gifts the same way? Will you now feel resentful and unloved? Anytime you think love means giving something or doing something, just take time to interrogate that thought and follow it. I believe love means doing small, nice things for my partner around their home. Some dishes, maybe a load of laundry. However, only one of my partners reciprocates this. One of them never comes to my home and hence never does anything around my house for me. And one visits often, but never does any dishes or any sort of domestic chore, unless I specifically ask them to do it. And if I ask them to walk the dog with me, they will say no. Usually only minutes after we had a conversation about how they are planning to get back in the gym soon. Ugh, humans are so funny. So I think Valentine's Day for us here in this strange new community is a moment to pause and think about how love should look and feel. When you have more than one partner, now you have the chance to experience two different approaches to love. You might even find that you give love differently to different partners. One partner I make music with Another, I just enjoy the silence. These loves feel different, but they both feel wonderful. One partner I can go on trips with, another partner I stay home with and just make a meal and relax together. Again, different, but wonderful. Funny to say it, but even the dog is involved in this process. He knows that one partner will let him cuddle up on the couch, but one will not be that welcoming. Neither one will allow the dog to lick their face, though. That's just me. Me and my dog breath perfume over here. Different people love differently. But through experiencing these differences, we expand our own understanding of what love is and what it can be. One thing I think will become a fully agreed upon standard of behavior in our community is that when it comes to holidays, love means planning ahead well ahead, weeks ahead. When it comes to Christmas and New Year's, I really prefer to plan almost a year ahead. For instance, I already know that this year I will spend New Year's with John because last New Year's was with Isaiah and the one before that was Kathy. 
Now you may ask, why am I the one who gets to make that choice? Well, they don't have to cooperate with me, but I have my schedule in my mind. If John can't hang with me, it's more than possible that I would simply stay home alone that night rather than mess up my rotation, which is ridiculous, but there you are. Actually, this is another one of those hidden ideas about what love looks like. This is how my family handles Thanksgiving. One year at my parents, next year at my sister's place, next year at my place. But nothing stays the same. My parents are in their 80s and they are starting to skip their turn, preferring to go to my sister's place. Which is fair, since she lives in California and has a pool with a hot tub. I mean, I love it there too. But my point is, we've been doing it this way for about 20 years or more. So when it comes to holidays, I, I just assume that this is simply how it's done. And I implemented this method in my own holidays more or less automatically. It's fair and logical, so no one has complained. Although John was clearly a bit annoyed about coming in last on the New Year's thing, he looked at me very severely and said, You are spending New Year's with me this year, right? But the trade-off is, he will spend Christmas with the Amazon. This is funny, because she and I are both Jewish. So either way, it's a Jewish Christmas for him. Such is love these days. Now that I think about it, Hanukkah comes early this year. I think I'll block out a night for latke frying, gift-giving, candle-lighting kind of get-together. I put it on the calendar right now. December 10th. Love means planning ahead. Hopefully my whole polycule will be able to make it to this party. I mean, there's certainly enough notice, damn it. Ooh, we should celebrate Sephardic style and make jelly donuts. Now I'm all excited about it. Something to look forward to. Valentine's Day invites us to pause and reconsider how we experience love. It's also a good moment to look at how our partners experience love. Kathy truly, truly appreciates gifts, so I never skip the gift for her, no matter how small it might be if I happen to be broke. But your partners might prefer a quiet evening together, cuddling and giving each other attention. Or they might appreciate a night out so you guys can dress up and look sexy for each other. The important thing is for you to think about how they experience love so that you can try to participate in that. On a deeper level, Valentine's Day invites us to truly open and receive love. Isn't it hard sometimes to truly believe you are loved and to accept this love? We're so conscious of our own flaws and so aware that we don't even deserve love, but that's sort of the point. Nobody really deserves love, or more accurately, it is not useful to measure or consider anyone's worthiness when we are thinking about love, because it does not matter. It does not matter. You can still receive love, but you have to allow yourself to receive it. On Valentine's Day, we get an invitation to the love party. We can take the day to release old stories about love and about our own lovable nature. 
we can try to release the ideas that are blocking us from love in some way. And after we have steeped in this wonderful warm bath of love, we can open our calendars and pencil in some plans for February of 2024, because love means planning ahead. And that's all I have for now. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with another bonus Bible episode. Do you have any topics you want to hear about on this podcast? Please get in touch with me at unlimitedheartcoaching at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at unlimitedheartfreedom. Drop me a DM. I will answer. If you prefer to consume my content in written format, click on over to my website on WordPress. I'm trying to put up the scripts for these podcasts on a regular schedule now. Plus, there's pics. The link is included in the show notes. As always, I am available for coaching sessions, and if you feel you could use some help, get in touch with me for a free exploratory session. I appreciate you all so very much, and I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.